everybody, I'm Nick. I'm Alex. We are a couple of nerds who have a podcast. We are no longer some, well, at least not tonight. Uh, Elise is busy with work, so she was unable to record, and will continue to be so basically between now and Thanksgiving, so uh, since that was not an option, we decided that we would just do a two-person episode to this week. It's been a while since I think the only time we did that was the Forbidden episode. There, there was the Forbidden episode. Um, there was also the the emergency episode that Elise and I did. That's right. That's right. Um, after after we were the only two people on the planet who apparently didn't like Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, or at had... least at least hated it to your vehement yeah. vehement nature. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we had to get our thoughts out on that. But the, this is the first. This is the first one with just you and I that is actually going to be released. Yeah. Um, hopefully, unless something goes terribly wrong. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Um, so, yeah, we already did our introductions. Uh, we're some nerds. We have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, did we say our names? Yes, okay. I did. You did? I said my name, I okay. think. If I, didn't, if I didn't, I'm Nick still. And I'm still Alex. Okay, good. Right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when Elise isn't here. I know. We need her to, like, go off on a rant. Um, that's the like way the we... couch is on fire. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, like... Yeah, yeah. Dogs and cats living, living together. together. I've been using that quote a lot recently, and <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. Um, it might, might be because... Uh, are, we, are we ready for, for Mayor Pete to evolve into President Pete? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they, they're pushing for him. They're pushing really hard Who's... for him. Like, who, AT&T? Yeah, the, the donor <laughs> class, um, because they realized that, our, excuse me, our Joe Biden is broken, um, <laughs> he keeps, like, smelling young girls, yeah. and, like, talking about, like, beating up Hispanic gangs, which mm-hmm. I think is just the plot to West Side Story, I, that he thinks actually happened to him. Maybe. I know, I was talking to my, my grandma the other, like, week or so, and mm-hmm. she was asking me my thoughts about... Pete Buttigieg, and mm. uh, I had to tell her, "Hey, it's uh, it's, it's not not great." No. Have you heard the the theory that um, he's a, he's an op that like he's CIA? No, I haven't heard. I heard like sir, I've heard some people say because after he got out of the military, he started working. What was it, McKinnon? I don't know the, anything about him really. Okay. So he was working for the, so after he got out of the military, he started working for this, like, private finance company, mm-hmm. um, and we're, like, working in war zones, like, basically, like, d- doing, like, ch- checking on economic situations in war zones, and... Which uh, we know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, and apparently, like, he doesn't talk about, like, the only client that he is, like, really overtly talked about is like a Canadian grocery chain. Okay. Um, but like he was in like Afghanistan and things like that. Well, and... someone's got to make sure that the opium gets grown. Right. Time. No, exactly. <laughs> That's what people are saying. It's like, is, is he just a, is like, is the CIA done like pussyfooting around and just they're like, you know what? We will just, we'll grow our own presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Maybe God. I don't know. I hadn't heard I, about that. I, I don't want to get too into tinfoil hat territory. I mean, you like, have been watching those videos. I have. I've been watching about <laughs> about a non-existent key lime pie and cult-related uh, RPG maker games about yeah. Kanye West. Have you been watching more of the BuzzFeed Unsolved? 
Uh, no, not, not, I, I don't know, I might have shown one episode or two to Elise, just to be like, oh my god, it's so funny, and like, we watched it, I, I don't, can't remember if, if we watched it with you, or if I wa- just showed her an episode. I think I watched, I think I showed you both, like, one episode, and then I think you may have taken it and ran with it. Maybe, we, we haven't watched much of it. Yeah. Um, we have watched the latest, uh, season, or at least a half season, of The Sad Horse Show. The Sad, oh, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman. I love the Sad Horse Show. <laughs> it's great. I, have you ever watched it? No. I. It is. I wish Elise were here because, like, it is such a bizarre show mm-hmm. in the way that it plays with tone. Okay. Um, like, and it's like it's there was the I think it was a Tumblr post or maybe it was a tweet originally, but it was, uh. <laughs> that horse is talking. No, <laughs> the police officer is a kitty cat. Uh, then Bojack Horseman. We inherit our parents. <laughs> we inherit our parents' traumas, but we will never fully understand them. <laughs> the horse is talking. <laughs> like that's the show. Okay. <laughs> it's it's it is incredibly insightful and tragic character study about mm. intergenerational traumas and you know alcoholism and abuse and all of this like really dark subject matter like depression mm-hmm. never feeling like you're living up to your you know the own your own expectations mm-hmm. or um you know the the alienating nature of capitalism okay um there was an episode this uh, in the season that's come out so far about the assistants in Los Angeles all going on strike Mm -hmm. and basically like the next day society is in shambles. Um, but it's, it, it balances it out with just like a very ridiculous form of humor. Like I'll give you the perfect example of like what this, an episode in this season, I I won't get into spoilers for people who are still catching up, Mm -hmm. but basically it seems like two characters who are romantically involved are about to break up. And one of the characters, one of these other characters, has planned a surprise party for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so everybody is there in the house waiting to surprise them. And then the couple walks into the house and they are about to jump out and yell surprise when one of the partners in the couple uh, says something shocking and they all just kind of freeze Mm -hmm. and go back into hiding. And so the entire rest of the episode is this little, it is a com a a combination of like, like Tennessee Williams and a comedy of errors. Like you have this actual intense, like drama about a relationship in shambles falling apart while everyone else who is in the house is trying to get out of the house without being seen. Okay. Um, and one of the characters has brought their uh, newly adopted baby to the party, and the baby crawls away. Oh, no. And so all of the major characters are trying to find the baby while this couple is having a fight oh, in no. the house. And so it's just like, it, they shouldn't work together, mm-hmm. and yet they do. Mm-hmm. Like, the wacky hijinks really kind of balance out the emotional stuff in a very, like, it's very interesting. And I know a lot of people who kind of discount it as, you know, oh, it's just the sad horse show. Like, depre- like it's a, a horse with depression. Mm-hmm. But there 
it has some of the best character writing um, in, in a series that I've seen recently. Like all of the characters are multifaceted and they all can be the subject of jokes, but at the same time, they're all, um, you know, they all have these very deep like traumas and important emotional arcs. Like even the character who is just in there to be the comic relief, um, like, they make a lot of jokes about how old goofy, wacky Todd doing his, like, silly Todd hijinks. Mm -hmm. And then you get an episode in there about, like, his relationship with his stepfather. Mm. But it's, the and, like, his, your mother is dying and needs a kidney. And so, oh, no, I just donated my, like, I sold my kidney the other week because I needed money. And so it's him and his stepfather going on this wacky adventure to get his kidney back okay. from the organ farm that he sold it to. Okay. Um, and it goes all across country. <laughs> and it's, but it's, and then it ends up being about, like, how these two never got along. And, like, the stepfather wanted more from him and he kind of became a fuck up. And then they have an emotional moment at the end where it's like, I'm happy with who I am and you should be proud that I'm like, I've got friends, I've got a job, I've got like all these things that kind of Todd has in his life that the dad never sees because it's not the dad's version of success. Right. And it's told through this completely ridiculous story. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, it's, they only did the, they only released the first half of this season. Um, second half is coming out, uh, in January. Um, you should support it because fuck Netflix for canceling it. Did you hear that part of the story? No, I hadn't heard that. Okay. So, uh, the creators of the show basically said that it was not their decision to end this on this season. Like they kind of had it planned out to go run a little bit longer to wrap up everyone's storylines a little bit more like in, in a more paced out way so they're kind of rushing to tell all the stories that they want to tell and mm -hmm. it doesn't really come across in the way that they've done this season but allegedly the reason why netflix canceled it after this season is because this was the season that the production company that was doing the animation unionized oh so fuck netflix for that but support the show because it's a good show mm -hmm. and like they got fired they, they basically got fucked over mm. um so yeah, that's my that's my report on the sad horse show. The sad horse show report. Yes. So stay tuned. It's a, for... it's a good show, and I'm so sad that it's ending. Like, yeah. It is really because I don't know. It's not one of those shows that oh, it could have ended after four seasons. It definitely like every season there's like an episode that it's just like, how did they do that? How did they pull that particular thing off? Mm -hmm. Um. And it's always interesting. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing where it ends. Uh, where they leave off. They basically leave off in the middle of a line of dialogue. That it's like, it made me want to watch the next episode immediately. And then when I realized that that was the last one that they have released so far, I was like, I've got to wait two more months <laughs> to see what the consequence of that line was. Yeah. And I really want to know. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, that's one of the things. I've got more stuff to talk about, but I think I'll leave the sad horse show with that. Leave the sad horse show with that. So, I mean, from what you're describing, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like necessarily something that I would necessarily be into a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is, I don't know. 
I feel like it's something that people should at least give a shot. And I know, okay. like, it's on its sixth season now, and if you thought it was for you, you probably already tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very oddly done show. It's very unique, if nothing else. I believe it, yeah. Mm. And I'm sure it's a great show. It's just mm. not necessarily something that I would want to watch. That's fair. Um, but anyway... So, so that's what you've been watching lately. That's one of the things. Yeah, one of the things that's been that's the main thing that we we've, we've been continuing our watch through of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're on season three now, almost to season four. Okay. Um, I don't know. We'll probably talk about that when when we get through the end of the show. I imagine. Okay. Like when, when all three of us are through. Yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't been keeping up with that. I got through eh. the first season, and then I was like, eh, I got other stuff. Too. It gets way better. Like season one is okay, mm-hmm. and then it, it gets so much better after. I, mean, I know. I'm sure it does. Um, but instead, what I've been watching lately mm-hmm. is Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes! I finally got to watching it. Yes! I, I saw it at Walmart for 30 talk, bucks. And talk the... about animated series with, like, no character in that show is wasted. No. Um, and I think I'm, like, exactly halfway through, because okay. I think I'm, like, ten episodes into season two. Okay. Yeah, so, that's probably about right, yeah. yeah it's so... been a while since I've my last watch through. So, check back next time for having me binge the whole rest of it. Yes. Um, it's just something that, I don't know, when I get into something, I tend to get into something. Oh, absolutely. So. And, and, and that, I, I think I told you when you told me that you were starting to watch it, um, that my first time watching it was when it, the movie was coming out. Because mm-hmm. I watched it, it was on Netflix at the time. Uh, I was reading a lot of AV Club, and I was living at home and underemployed. Um, we all know that experience. We all have been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was reading like a lot of reviews about the last airbender movie, mm-hmm. like the, um, uh, the M night Shyamalan film film, uh, so-called, um, and all the reviews that I saw said, man, this show is amazing, but the movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, well, I, like the fact that everyone is saying that the show is amazing, like I never watched it. Like I, it, yeah, it came out in like Oh six. Yeah. And so I was out of high school. I was in college when it started airing mm-hmm. it on TV. Um, and I was like, it was a little baby anime bullshit. Like I'm not going to watch like fake anime. Like you were in college in Oh six. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was basically like, uh, yeah, that was kind of where I was. I was like, as I was watching, you know, grown-up anime for men. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, like uh, Haruhi. <laughs> Haruhi Suzumi. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was out in 2006, right? I feel like it was. Uh, I, I don't know. It I was, was around, big... that was, I became aware of it around that time. Maybe it was a few years later. I think it was a few years later. Um, but regardless... regardless. Regardless, like that was kind of the way I thought about it. It was like, oh, it's this little kid show that like mimics anime, and like I'm watching, I'm watching the grown up animes, mm-hmm. and then like so I, I was like, all right, well, let's see if it's streaming anywhere. And at that time, it was on Netflix, and so I started watching it. And next thing I know, I was halfway through the first season, and basically from the time of, oh, maybe I should check it out, to being halfway through the first season was like the course of an evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, I had all my my favorite character hadn't shown up yet. Um, but like, who was your favorite character? Oh, Toph. Okay, one hundred percent. Okay, one hundred percent. It's it's Toph, and then 
Zuko later, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, and then Sokka, and then it's the rest of the cast. Okay. <laughs> it's like their top tier, and then it's just the, everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when I got like Toph was absolutely my favorite character when we finally got to her. Um, but you know, I liked I liked. Uh, Sokka a lot I liked uh, like the relationships between all the characters and it was just so it was not what I thought it was um and it was so good like the characters are all really compelling and they have arcs and it's like like even Sokka who starts off as like a kind of a goofy one note character like comparatively I mean, he starts off as, like, the super serious kind of character, and then he becomes more goofy. goofy. That's true, And yeah. then he kind of matures from there. Right. So. Um, like, and even, like, in book three, he's got episodes that are basically all about Sokka. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, here's Sokka. <laughs> here's who he is as a person, in case you haven't gotten it yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to have this episode focused on him, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Zuko. Um, have you gotten to Zuko alone yet? I have, yes. Yes! Yeah. That's my favorite episode mm-hmm. of the entire series. Like, yeah. That is the single best episode of that show, in my opinion. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, yeah. That's... It's like uh, it's like one of those westerns. But... I, I was thinking, well, it's more like Yojimbo, but <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's... Yeah, Zuko is probably my favorite character at the moment. Now, mm-hmm. he hasn't had... I know he's going to eventually kind of... Have his revelation and, right. and come on to the side with Avatar. If you've seen... I know that much is happening, going to happen. Yeah. But I want to not be spoiled on exactly right. how that comes I, down. I, I'll say this. If you've gotten to Zuko alone, yeah. then you're most of the way through that part okay. of his arc. Yeah. Because um, that is, like, one of the big moments where, like, he sees, like, what the Fire Nation is actually doing. Yeah. And he starts to have that crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's, it's one of those, are we the baddies kind of moments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. God, that episode that I, I wish that episode were an entire film. Like I would, <laughs> I would watch a 90 minute movie of that, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess I just described Yojimbo, but, um, Go watch or, like, or like if Yojimbo was Shane, I guess is probably closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, yeah, no, that, that, that's a great great episode Mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna spoil this for you but there's a part in it uh i I can't remember if it's in book two or book three i think it's in book three maybe it's later you might have already gotten to it actually it might be in book two um where a character disappears from the group and I was like, well, I'll just keep watching until they find the character again. So And then if, it was like ten episodes. So, yeah, of okay. like... so 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 um if you're talking about Appa Yes. Okay. Okay. The episode where Appa disappears just was the last one I watched. Okay. So thanks for telling me that. <laughs> I was just like, I'll just keep watching until like it can't be that long. It was a long time. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's so and then it makes it so much better once mm-hmm. they once they so let's let's stop on the hedging our bets about if I've seen a part or okay, not yet yeah. for now, um, but yeah. So I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about it yet because yeah. I'm still kind of processing it and I'm only halfway through. Yeah. Only watched a uh, season and a half. <laughs> yeah, only a season and a half in the course of a week because I think I got this on last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 
uh, when we didn't end up having Terror Tuesday for one reason. Yeah. And then this weekend, this we week we do didn't do another, it for another, for for another, another reason. reason so. Um, so I've had a fair amount of free time in my evenings to, to just sit and like binge through the whole thing. So it's probably you know going to keep doing that for a little bit at least. Yeah. Um, I, I still haven't seen um, Legend of Korra all the way through. I watched the first season and then I didn't keep up with it when mm-hmm. seasons two and three came out um because they didn't I, I think probably part of it was because it was originally intended to just be that first season and so i don't know there was a video i watched someone talked about legend of korra mm-hmm. um and i think part of it was also that they kept messing around with like the release schedule yeah so like they like they released part of like season on the tv and then they like released part Spread of it, it online, online yeah, i remember that like, Messed around with the dates and the times, and I don't know. Well, it was originally it was originally supposed to be a miniseries. I think it was the or like a limited series was mm-hmm. the way that they advertised it, and then it was such a big hit that they were like, well, "We're gonna do, do more. It's gonna okay. keep going." Yeah. Um. And so, like, I watched the first season. And was like, it was kind of, it was kind of done after that first season, or they could have. I guess they could have ended. They could have ended after it. the first season. But, you know, that doesn't mean that they did. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and, th- but that's what, that's what kind of got, kept me from watching the rest of it. I understand the rest of it's great, mm-hmm. but like, as it was coming, as they announced it, I was like, but they finished it. Like it was done. And then I just kind of didn't keep track of it after Well, that. I'm going to track it down and watch it after this. So yeah. if you wanted to watch it too, you're welcome to join. Yeah. Um, it is also something that I myself also would like to own. So I, I might, if I might get it before you, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so that is what was I gonna say? I forget. Anyway, uh, it's good. It's real good, and it's over ten years old. So, yeah. God, <laughs> we should we should watch um, the Shyamalan movie. We should track that down. No, I, <laughs> it's so bad. It is. It is worth watching. For just how hilariously mismanaged it is. Mm-hmm. Take all of book one. Yeah. Cram it into 90 minutes. Okay. With a whole bunch of people who can't act and don't act like, like barely resemble the characters that they're supposed to be. But like all the things happen. Okay. Like all the events of like, book we one. We have to hit all of the plot points. Right. Of book one. A, a, a poorly, what, however many, like what they like, what twenty episodes in that first season? Yeah, I think I think each episode, each season is twenty episodes. Yeah, so it's long. like a like a ten hour long epic where we can have these characters, but all of the things happen because mm-hmm. so we can say we did all the things. It's just like the show, <laughs> but then now, like every episode is like thirty seconds long. So I remember what I was gonna ask. So does the the people like the writers? Mm-hmm. Do they still work for Nickelodeon? Do they are they doing other stuff now? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I, I keep hearing I think there's something going on with Avatar now. Okay. And I can't remember what it was. But yeah, like once I mean they did Korra. They did like Korra. This, and, and then once Korra ended, I don't know what they were doing. I don't um, know. Um but I was also kinda thinking in like the offhandedly, um 
if they went ahead and skipped another to the next Avatar, which would, I think, be an Earthbender, and then uh, so on to the... And, yeah. And so, like, you have the potential to have four separate seasons in the same universe, like, spread out over the course of, you know, a couple hundred, about a hundred years or so, or however long people live. Um, and so I don't know if that's something that people have right. considered, or if... There's a live-action Netflix series oh, that okay. they are making. Okay. So that's that's what it was. A live-action series. Remake of Remake. the original. Okay. Yes. Of the original movie. Of the, well, of the original series. <laughs> the original movie. That's right. The Blue People. They're, they're doing that. Okay. <laughs> God. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing. So they are still doing stuff. Because they're like, yeah. Because Nickelodeon, that's right, Nickelodeon and Netflix are teaming up. Okay. I, I'm imagining because of the unstoppable juggernaut that is Disney. Disney Plus. So, so Nickelodeon is looking for a place to put their own nostalgic content mm -hmm. to try to defeat the mouse. Um, which, you know, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, the enemy of Disney is my friend. <laughs> Um, I'll put it like this for the, going back to the movie though. Yeah. You remember that episode in book one about, um, all the, the, the earthbender prison that the fire nation has built. Yes. And it's like an oil derrick basically like out in the middle of the ocean. So there's like no, there's earth no earth and everything's made of metal. And so they're like, okay, well we're, we're, we're fucked. Like we're just out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's like this whole great arc for, um, for Katara, like, becoming a leader and, like, teaching them to believe in themselves and, like, staging the prison riot and it's, like, fucking great. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's a chance for Katara to do something cool. It's a great story. Um, George Takei is an amazing villain in that one. Like, he's the back, he's the main guy running the prison. Mm. Um, it's just a great story. So, in the movie, mm -hmm. do you know what they do in the movie? No. So, they have that story. Okay. Is it five we, minutes we, long? Oh, about that. I would say five minutes is probably generous. Okay. Don't have the budget to uh, make a fucking big metal prison out in the middle of the water. So the green skin. No. Oh. Well, let's just put them out in the fucking fields. Okay. With like tents, and, like big open fields. This is the prison camp. This is the where prison we keep camp. the earthbenders. The earthbenders. With all this earth around. <laughs> and instead, Ong basically just shows up and is like, "Hey." I'm the Avatar. You guys are Earthbenders. And they're like, fuck, we are Earthbenders. <laughs> and they just remember that they can do Earthbending. Mm -hmm. And there's a big fight, like a big prison break where they do the fighting. It includes no less than five guys doing choreographed Earthbending. And they all like shout out this kata at the same time. And a fucking pebble... Like, the size of a softball floats gently by the, the camera as they finish it up. And I don't know if I've ever laughed as hard in my life as the first time I ever saw that happen. Because <laughs> it doesn't, it didn't do anything! There was like five guys, and I was like, holy shit, what are they about to do? This fucking thing, like a football floats past the camera, and it's just like... What you did that on purpose. What like a, what a twist. <laughs> it's fucking like that is that is Ed Wood levels of incompetence. <laughs> what what did you think you were doing? <coughs> oh god. That yeah. It is absolutely worth watching though. Like just for like the pure insanity of mm -hmm. 
what's on the screen. Um, because none, like, all of the moments are there, none of them are earned. Mm. Like, oh, maybe, like, the the Blue Spirit episode, or Aang's like, maybe in another life we could have been friends. And it's like, you literally don't know each other. Like, you were t- fighting 20 minutes ago when he kidnapped you, and that's the only ev- other time you have ever seen this man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> it's awful. It is, it is a masterclass in how not to adapt a, like something into the movies. It is amazingly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the TV show, and it's exactly what the, the, the critics said at the time of the release. TV show is fucking great. This movie totally sucks. Yeah. Um, I think I watched it with the Netflix or the uh, Riff Tracks and like not even the Riff Tracks could honestly save it. Oh, no. It was just like, it's one of the few that, like, riff tracks... Like, it was that and Next, the Nicolas Cage movie. I'm not the, familiar with that it one. It was... It's the one... It, it is... It's based off of a Philip K. Dick novel, or a short story, in, like, the loosest way possible. Okay. Where the Philip K. Dick story is based... Is, um, I think it's called The Golden Man. Um, and it's basically about... You know, we think about human evolution as being like, oh, we're getting like smarter and like more social and that kind of stuff. And like we imagine the next step of human evolution will be something cool like telepathy or something like that. And this story. okay, okay, so so the Philip K. Dick story is essentially this guy is born. He's a mutant. He is like the next step in human evolution. Like basically the implication of the story is that in the future, all human beings will be like him because of his adaptations. So all human beings are descended from him? Well, in the future. Okay. It'll be like, he's like the first of the next species, I guess is the idea. Because like, that's how evolution works. I know. It's... Okay. Philip K... Okay. <laughs> Philip K. Dick is an amazing science fiction writer, but not for the science. Okay. Okay? It's purely for the speculation. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the basic gist of it is that he's not smarter. He actually basically has the intellect of an animal. But he looks super hot and can predict the like basically ha- can know the future. So, so he has it's, it's Dougie Jones. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> except he's like he's described as being like this golden Adonis of a man. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, so Dougie Jones. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so like that's the that's how the this is this is the thing that will replace humanity like in mm-hmm. the, like our niche kind of thing is because. Essentially, he just looks so beautiful that he could seduce every woman, is the idea, I think. Okay. Um, but he also, since he knows the future, he has no creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have to. Because he knows the next thing that's going to happen, and just, like, does the thing that he needs to do to get what he wants. Like, it's instinct. There's no thought. I see. Um, and this, in the, the, Nicolas Ca- or the, yeah, the Nicolas Cage adaptation next, is about a guy who knows the future. That's it. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was it was really bad. Well, um, I mean, Nicolas Cage can be described as a lot of things. Golden-haired Adonis. Right. Not- right. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it is it is one of his lesser known... Uh, one of Philip K. Dick's lesser known works. Isn't he coming out with a new movie recently? Philip K. Dick no, or Nicolas Cage? Nicolas Cage. He's in The Color Out of Space. It, wait, what? He's in The Color Out of Space. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. I, oh shit! We need to watch that trailer then before you go back downstairs. Yeah. Um. It's back down to it's, my basement. It's this direct guy. Have you seen Mandy? No. Okay. That was another Nicolas Cage movie that got a lot of attention recently. Okay. I really I haven't seen it yet. I really want to watch it. 
Um, but it is basically Nicolas Cage goes on psychotic acid-fueled rampage against a cult who has kidnapped his wife. Um, and I think there's a chainsaw fight somewhere in the movie, from what I understand. Okay. Um, so that's that movie. So the guy who directed that is directing an adaptation of The Color Out of Space. Nicolas Cage is the dad um, and the family that, like, owns the farm where the mm -hmm. meteorite crashes. Right. Tommy Chong is in there for some reason as okay. well. Um, so it looks fucking incredible. I, I'm not sure how you could turn that story into a full-sized movie. It, I, I don't know either, but if anyone is going to do it, like, from what I've seen of it, I'm like, I have full faith in this movie. I'm really excited for it. Okay. Um, we'll watch the trailer after we finish recording, because it is, it's amazing. Um, I can't remember who else is oh, in it. Like, this got... is what I saw. Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> he has to pretend to be all of his most iconic characters. Is, is this going to be like uh, John Malkovich kind of thing? I, yeah, I hope so. Okay. I, I hope it's like that, but like, you know how like... The being... unbearable weight of massive talent is right. the name of the yeah. film. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, I was about to say, I can't remember what the title is, but I remember it's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely A it. film that will feature Cage as a creatively unfulfilled, less rich version of himself. Mm hmm Okay. Yeah, no, I'm 100% in on that one. I'm, like, I'm all in. I'm I'm excited. Um, based on Nicolas Cage's output over recent years, I'm thinking that this all means that he is out of all of those, like, tax problems he was in for a few years, where basically he just <laughs> said yes. any movie. Yeah. What's your movie? Yeah, I'll do it. Again, like that next. And I always get next and knowing confused because they're basically the same movie. Yeah. They're like forgettable, like mid-aughts Nicolas Cage thrillers about knowing the future. Um, but I think between the two of them, like next is worse. Okay. Because like knowing at least kind of lives on as like a movie that people make fun of. I think I might be the only person that remembers that next existed. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> And I only remember it because I watched it after I read that. Because in, in graduate school for a while, I was reading, like, all of Philip K. Dick's short stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I watched Next after I read The Golden Man. And I didn't realize that it was a Philip K. Dick adaptation. So when it, based on The Golden Man by Philip K. Dick came up on the screen, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> This <laughs> is like absolute, and again, Dick's work is really hard to adapt to the screen. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to adapt. Some of like some of those stories are fucking weird, um, and so you take a lot of creative liberties. We can remember it for you wholesale is almost nothing like um, Minority or not uh, uh, Total Recall. the The story of Minority Report is very different from the movie. Mm -hmm. Like. The story basically ends with, like, a completely different ending. Where in, like, in the movie it's like, oh, he cleared his name. In the book it's like, oh, well, you had, like, he ends up doing, committing the murder anyway. Because basically he finds out that the whole thing's a sham kind of a thing. And it's a big condemnation of the police state. Whereas in Minority Report it's like, oh, you're framed. You're, you're, you're telepathy framed 
Um, it's not the system that's the problem, <laughs> Nick. It's the individual actors, Nick. Well, I think the don't you know the best adaptations of his work absolutely like have the same kind of themes, mm-hmm. like even like Blade Runner, like. The movie of Blade Runner and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep are super different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have the same basic feeling and the same like basic ideas. And they go about exploring those ideas in different ways. Which is why that movie stands up on its own as a movie and as an adaptation of something else. Um, and then you can take it the entire other way where... Basically, the adaptation of uh, God, what the fuck is that movie called? Scanner Darkly. The adaptation of a Scanner Darkly is basically just they filmed the book, like they took all of the craziest shit that happens in that book and it was just like fuck it, let's film it anyway. <laughs> um, like, what's this? A twenty-eyed guy reads the list to a guy of a of a. Uh, of someone's sins to him as he's contemplating suicide. Yeah, fuck it, let's film it. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Um, and basically it's just word for word. Like the dialogue in the book is the dialogue in that movie. Like they cut some stuff out, but that's about it. Um, and you can do like both of those things, but then like, I don't know, next, or there was an adaptation of, of the second variety that I don't remember what that was. Screamers, I think is what it was called. Second variety was like, this really interesting, um, like pot boiler basically where it's like humanity is going, uh, like humanity has created AI. The AI has risen up against the humans and is like trying to kill them. And in order to do that, they have basically, they created terminators. Like they've, the AIs have created little robots that look like people. Um, and are, they send them off to like find, like the last little shelters where human beings are held up and basically bring their way inside. And then they like kill them off. So people have been finding these robots and killing them. And like, so they know, and they have, they have them labeled. So like, there's one that's a little kid and that's like the first variety. And then there's another one that's like a woman. And it's like, this is the third variety. And so everyone's like, what's the second variety? And so it's like a whole bunch of people find themselves in the shelter and like everybody's paranoid that one of the other people in the shelter is really a robot because no one's ever seen the second variety. Mm-hmm. Like no one knows what they look like. Is is the the twist that there, there is, is no, no second, second variety? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty obvious it's, twist, but it's, it's still the, an interesting story. It's the we release two pigs into the school and label them one and three. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's that. Yeah. Um, but like the the movie version of it is just it's like a, it's a it's a Terminator ripoff. Like it's a the rope. Human soldiers fighting robots. Uh, robot wars. Robot wars. And so, yeah, that's a it's another way of how to not adapt Philip K. Dick. Gotcha. Um, you know what the the best way of adapting Philip K. Dick is though? No, I don't. Make it into a video game. Oh. And be Hideo Kojima. Is that what you've been playing for the yes. past week and a half? Yes. All right. Holy shit! Death Stranding is it is Hideo Kojima at his most Hideo Kojima ever mm-hmm. like unencumbered and unhindered by the studios yes. unfettered by konami this is this isn't even his final <laughs> i've been hearing people call it the evangelion of kojima i i don't think that's fair mm-hmm. because evangelion is definitely 
art from adversity. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to rewrite a whole bunch of stuff towards the end, and they added a whole bunch of stuff in. They had all these very firm deadlines from the channels. Mm-hmm. So they had to make a lot of compromises and change a lot of things um, that, in my opinion, ended up making the show better Mm -hmm. um, than what they had originally planned. Death Stranding is not that, because Death Stranding is, this is the game that I want to make, and Sony just said, here's a whole bunch of money, go go do that. Mm -hmm. And he did that, and then he released his game. Like, I, I, I don't know. So, so tell us, tell us about uh, Amazon Delivery Package Simulator. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to. I don't want to go into the story. Okay. Um, because I know that you are trying not to spoil yourself. Like, are you planning on playing it when it comes out for PC? Um, I don't know about maybe playing it, but I don't know. I kind of want to watch somebody else play it, but I don't want to pay for it. Fair. So. I, I will... it's, it's a game that, like, how, how much was it? Um, I got the collector's edition. Like, I got the the, the, collector, the digital deluxe. Like, you spent more than... So I think I got spent average. that, like, 70 or 80 on it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm interested to see it kind of organically, mm-hmm. but I'm not really as interested enough to play it. Here's what I will say about it. Okay. I don't think it's a game worth watching. Okay. I th- I think that if you were if I were watching an LP of it, I would not have the same opinion that I have of it actually playing it. Okay. Um, the story is great. I'm not gonna say that it's not. Um, it is pretty typical Hideo Kojima. You know, very. Well, what is typical for Kojima? I, have you played any Metal Gear Solid games? Yes, and there's a lot of themes. So I don't. There know. are there are a lot of themes, yeah. and there's a lot of themes mm-hmm. in this. But what I mean by that is I'm is, oh, you want some themes? Here are the mm. themes. Okay. It's going to be super duper obvious what the themes are. I'm going to hit you over the head uh, okay. with this giant book of the ideas that I want you to understand. Okay. Oh, you what? What's subtlety? <laughs> is subtlety naming the care the, the naming the president of the United States Bridget Strands because you're bridging people together? Mm-hmm. Is the is it naming your main character Sam Porter Bridges because he's uh, like Uncle Sam, like America, and he's and porting porting yeah. things across. The bridges that he's building to connect the country. We need, again? We need to create our Kojima names. Oh god! Like after this is over. I don't know if I will have the time for that tonight, but yes, we ah, should do that. We'll do it. We'll we do should it. do that sometime soon. Um. So it's like, yeah, it's not subtle, mm-hmm. okay? And 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 that's kind of the idea. There's a lot of there's a lot of ideas in there, and it's very obvious what these ideas are through the story, but they're not powerful because of the story. They're powerful because of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think a lot of people who gave this game like bad reviews when they had advanced reviewer copies mm-hmm. probably got gave it that bad review without the multiplayer aspect. The game would probably not be great. But the multiplayer aspect elevates it to an actual piece of art. Okay. Um, so, if you were just playing this game, 
because the game is like the the basic gameplay is a very simple game loop. You start at a place, you have to go to a terminal, go into the terminal and say, okay, these people want these packages. Where are they? Can I deliver more than one of these things at a time? Because it's going to take me like, I don't know, if I'm walking, it'll probably take me about 15, 20 minutes mm -hmm. to go the safest route to get to this next place of silence and just holding the analog stick forward and maybe pulling one of the trigger buttons to keep my balance every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Like that's the main game loop. And then you go to the place and you drop off the packages and you go to that and, and that terminal and you look and like, okay, where do I want to go next? What can I take to on the way to the next place that I want to go? Uh -huh. um, the thing that made it transcendent for me is because this is a game about connecting people, obviously. Like mm -hmm. that it's, again, it's not subtle. Mm -hmm. People, like it's about the atomization of society People are alienated. People are, like, hidden away from each other. How do we connect people again? How do we help people out? Um, and you do it in, in the game. You do it through connecting packages. But if you're... Con or yeah, by, by, uh, by delivering packages. And, like, you're reminding people. It's kind of like The Postman, almost. Like that shitty Kevin Costner movie. Um, but the thing that makes it amazing is the fact that if you're playing it online... There are other people in that area that you usually don't, you don't see them, but they will like build something and leave it there. So it's like, here is a huge river to get across. You could probably ford across that river um, if you find the, just the right spot. Maybe you have to go like you know, 10 yards that way to find the narrowest spot that you can actually get across. Mm -hmm. And because if you fuck it up, you're going to fall over and damage all your packages and you're gonna fall off your back and you have to go rushing downstream to chase after them, pick them all back up again, and then it's annoying. But this person made this bridge right here in the most convenient place. And everyone who's in that game session can use it. And so you can then go up to those things and be like, great job. And you can press a button and give it a like. And you can keep pressing that button to give it more likes. Mm. And those likes get back to the person. So, like, when they turn on their game the next time, it'll say, oh, this person used the route that you created. The other players are pleased with you. Here's all these likes that you got from the last time that you did it. And so, just like with Metal Gear Solid, which being a game about how do you avoid conflict, do it by avoiding these conflicts. Mm. This is a game about how do you connect people. Do it by connecting with other players and making their life easier. Mm -hmm. Like, did you struggle to get up this mountain? Here, leave a climbing rope and drop it down there for the next person that comes through this area to make their lives easier. Mm. Um, it's amazing. And he put in one of the... There's a dedicated button on the controller to... If you press it, your main character, like uh, Sam, shouts something out. And if there's another person playing in the game, in your same game session, in that general area as you, they will automatically shout back. So you'll know, you're like, even though you're having a hard time of it, you're not the only one at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think my favorite one of those is when you press it, one of the things that he says is, my name's Sam! And if there's someone nearby, they'll go, I'm Sam too! <laughs> and it's like, it's great! You're all going through the same shit together. And the reason why I said the thing about Philip K. Dick 
Um, so like I said, none of this stuff is subtle. It's very obvious what this game is about and what he wants you to think about. Mm -hmm. With the exception of this. Um, so in the book of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, there is something that is not in the movies, uh, which is a new religion that has kind of taken hold after, um, after, uh, the, the nuclear war that's happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of to build the, the story up. Um, and I'm trying to look up what it's called right now. I don't know. I know. <laughs> uh, so, in the in the book, uh, there was a, a nuclear war, which is why like the Earth is kind of shitty. Which is why there ah Mercerism. That's what it's called. Matt Mercerism. Uh, <laughs> it in there's a nuclear war. A lot of people died. Most animals on the planet are gone. Um, and so the few, a lot of the people who could afford to, like, just left Earth, because Earth is basically uninhabitable now. But the people who remained behind kind of became converts to a new religion called Mercerism, um, which is based off of tenets of extreme empathy. Uh, basically putting your, literally putting yourself in other people's shoes. And one of the ways that people do that is through taking care of animals. And obviously, since animals are now so rare, because most species became extinct in the nuclear war and the ensuing, like, winter, like, nuclear winter afterwards, um, like, if you're really rich, you show that off by taking care of an actual living animal. Mm -hmm. If you're not so rich, you kind of make a show of your, your empathy by purchasing electric animals, like robotic animals, hence the title. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Do androids wish that they had fake sheep to take care of? Mm. Like, because the whole story is about empathy. What makes a human being a human being? Is it empathy? If therefore you don't have empathy with somebody else, are you really human? It's kind of one of the big themes of the book. Mm. One of the other ways that people show their devo devotion to mercerism is through what could essentially be described as an immersive video game experience where you plug yourself into the experiences of the one William Mercer, who is the founder of the religion, as he goes on a quest across this, like, barren landscape, being tormented by other people. And everybody kind of plugs in at once. And everybody experiences the agony that this savior figure experiences as a communal experience to build empathy with one another. So was this game created as a tie-in to that? I I have to think so. <laughs> there is no way on this earth that Hideo Kojima hasn't read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Mm -hmm. um, in Metal Gear Solid 2, one of the characters is named after a, a, a protagonist or one of the characters from a very obscure, um, not in Philip K. Dick novel, but another like postmodernist, like almost science fiction novel with very similar themes um, called City of Glass, uh, the, the bomb disposal expert, um, Stillman. Oh, right. Stillman's named after a character from this novel that no one's ever heard of that has a lot of the same themes as Philip K. Dick's books. So I do not doubt for a second that Kojima had this in mind when he made that game. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was a transcendent like moment of, oh my God, that's what he's going for. He's creating that experience. Like, it's not just, here's a story about why it's important to connect with people. It's like, no, you're actually experiencing this, which is why I'm saying, which is why I say the thing that I say about, like, you can't just watch it. Uh-huh. Like, if you're going to do it, you have to actually play it to get the full experience. Because it does, like, um, you don't see the things that people have left behind the first time you go into an area. So the first time you go into an area, it's all completely barren. Mm-hmm. And so you know how much it sucks to go to finish that route. Okay. And so you get there and you connect it to the network. And then once you connect that area to the network and you see all the things pop in, it's like, oh my God, this is so much better. Like mm-hmm. you see all the way, other ways that other players got in there. And now you have so many new ways to get back to where you want to go because of everyone else's work. Like you struggled, but coming together as a community helped people out. It's great. It's, it's very leftist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even go so far as to say not just leftist. It's like, it's very like, it's very anarchist in a lot of ways, even though it's about re- remaking the United States. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're making the, we're not making the United States again. They don't call it the United States. They're the UCA, the United cities of America. Mm-hmm. So you have all these little small communities that are connected via a network that you use to share information and freely distribute like, uh, non-organic materials like they have technology where they can just print out any non-organic things that they want once you get connected to the network so it's like do you need new boots because your boots wear down you can just print off some new boots and because you've been helping people they're just going to give you like even though the resources are rare they'll just give you the resources you need because they don't no one's getting paid for any of this you're just doing this out of the goodness of your heart Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what the story is about, like, on a character level, a character arc. Sam kind of doing this against his will at first and then becoming sort of a hero figure and, like, learning how to connect with other people. I see. It's great. Okay. It's, it is, I don't want to say it's his best game. Um, but, again, it is him at his least constrained. And I know, Snatcher was pretty, pretty Snatcher is great. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, obviously Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will probably always think that those are his best games because those are really where I got into him. Like, right. I played Metal Gear Solid 1 first, but then 2 came out and I played 2 over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Same with 3 when 3 came out. Um, but, I mean, when I have free time, I haven't had a lot of free time the last few days, but when I do, I will sit down and I will play this game and I will just kind of be enraptured because it's like it, it is an experience, and it is something that I completely understand the people who did not like it, but they're wrong. Okay. Like that's it's as simple as that. If like if the people who gave that kind of middling scores, it's either because they didn't they didn't have the right mindset for it because there's not. Like, there's no, like, military fetishization in this. No. Like, you kind of get it. I'm probably a third of the way through the game, and I just got a gun. (laughs) 
And you can't use it. Not really. You, I mean, yeah. You, you can use it in certain... Well, I mean, there are enemies. Okay. There are, like, dangerous areas where you can go to... There are the BTs, which are, like, the ghost things that you've seen in the trailers. Yeah. And there are also mules. Um, the mules are other deliverers who kind of got... They didn't get any sort of appreciation for the work that they did. So they went crazy mm -hmm. and they started stealing stuff from other people. Um, and then there are terrorist groups that don't want the UCA to exist. They want everyone to live in these little atomized societies. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like the main villain of the game is the head of this terrorist group. Gotcha. Um, and so like, but if you, the reason why I say you can't use these guns, like the real guns is because if you kill a person, everything goes up. You cannot kill. Mm -hmm. a human character in this game or else it will probably i haven't actually seen what happens if you do it but the implication is if you do it'll cause a game over mm. because human bodies if they are not like in almost immediately disintegrated like like incinerated cause like they cause what are called void outs which is everything in this wide area gets completely obliterated um, and that's because of the Death Stranding, which, I, again, I don't really want to get into story stuff. It's still not super clear to me. Gotcha. Again, exactly I, what I this gotcha. is, a third of the way through the game. Mm -hmm. I kind of get what they're talking about, but it would explain, it would take way too long for me to explain. But basically, the in-game consequence of that is, you can knock enemies out, you can immobilize them, but you cannot kill them. Mm -hmm. And you are given guns. For very specific reasons. But they're like, they say, you can't use those against human opponents. Like, they make. Now, my question is mm -hmm. you haven't tried it yet, and you probably won't, because it'll result in a game over, you think? Probably. My, my question is this mm -hmm. What if instead of a game over for you, it does that? Mm -hmm. It creates that void, but then that shows up in the multiplayer. That would be really interesting, but... And the fact that it hasn't it, shown up is a testament to the players. It would lead... It, it would lead to... I'm afraid it would lead to a lot of griefing, if that were the case. Is this the kind of game where the player base, you think, would do that to I you? don't think that they... I don't think that they would, mm -hmm. but the game has been designed so that you can't. Okay. Um, and Kojima, like, there was an interview, I saw a little bit of it uh, today, where he specifically said, there is no ability to have negative multiplayer actions in this game. Okay. Um, like, the only thing you can... You see someone else's thing, and you can like it. And you can like it... Um, at this point, you're, you're given the ability as the game goes on, you can, like, level up how often you can like. Okay. Um, and so at this point, I can give... If I really want to, I can give, like, 300 likes in a single sitting. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm just, like, hammering away at that button. Because they give you... When you press it once... They give you a little timer that comes down, and however many times you can hit it in that timer okay. is like however many you can give on that pass through. And then there's a cooldown for it for the next time that you're allowed to like that particular building. Mm -hmm. um, it's great, and it's it is, and it's such a great feeling to get when it's like, oh, this person liked the bridge you built, or this person. I, I've been spending most of my time rebuilding the roads. Um, because, in my opinion, those are the things that are the most useful. And they are also 
the most difficult things to build. Mm -hmm. um, and it requires everyone in a server working together to deliver resources to specific places. So it's like you get metal, um, you need metal, uh, ceramics, and things called chiral crystals, which are like magic bullshit crystals that just appear on the map. And it's like, for this little section of the road, you find like auto pavers. That those things you don't build, you just find them in the game. Mm -hmm. The way it's described is the people who went west before you left them there, and then no one ever came behind them to actually put in the raw materials to finish the roads. So that they're basically just left behind. So you can go in and rebuild them. Well, this one takes, I don't know, like the, the one here, this node here takes 4,000 metal, 3,000, uh, 3,000 ceramics and like 900 Chiron or uh, chiral crystals. Mm -hmm. Well, you can maybe carry like 2000 metal, Maybe three on your back in one load if that's the only thing you're carrying. So you cannot actually do that. And that stuff's hard to find. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to have like some of it like donated from cities and things like that. So it's everybody having to come together to work on this thing. Um, and so it's what I usually do. Like I'll I'll stop at a city. You know, I've been what I've been the way I've been playing recently, I've gotten to the part where you can start getting vehicles. So like I have a truck and I'll just fill up that truck with as much metal as that city has uh -huh. and I'll go to the nearest road like road a node on my way to my next place and just drop that shit off and so I've been getting most of my likes from doing that um because I haven't been playing as much as a lot of the other people so I don't I'm not the first person to get to this would be the perfect place to put a bridge gotcha, um, gotcha. sometimes I've done that but I'm like I can help build the roads like mm -hmm. I can't help with this other stuff as much but I can help people build the roads. And that will be my thing. Okay. And I've gotten a lot of likes because everybody uses those roads. And it's like a really nice feeling to see, oh, these people use the road that you helped build. Cool. Awesome. It made me feel a lot like the end of um, Near Automata. Mm -hmm. where I, I, You've I, told me about Yeah, I know. But I think it, you mentioned it on the podcast. I did mention it on the podcast, but it's been a few months. So it's like you get the option at the end of that game to delete all your save data. And then all of your save data goes to help one other person at this last boss fight in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a nice little feeling to delete everything that I had done playing that game to help one other person. And this is kind of that writ large. Um, I don't know. I feel like this game is kind of made for me in that sense. Oh, good. That... I'm glad you're getting some enjoyment <laughs> out of it, even though you're not able to play it as much as you would like. No. I'm, hopefully this weekend we'll get a chance to play it a little bit more. But mm -hmm. this week has been pretty hectic for a lot of different reasons. We talked about off air. so Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've been doing lately. Um, I've been going through my Steam catalog of stuff that I had purchased or people had gifted me long ago and mm -hmm. hadn't gotten around to playing yet. Yeah. Uh, and a game that I found that I started playing like a, a couple, I think like last, like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just, I haven't had time or haven't been had the interest of playing it lately. Uh, is FTL. Oh, yeah. I've played that a handful of times. Yeah. It never really grabbed me, but I, I think it's a really good game. Mm -hmm. It's just not my style. It's it's a game that I would love to play if there wasn't, like, a story. Mm -hmm. Where if you were just, like, like a, a sandbox, like, going across the galaxy, checking out different things, you know, having the fights or going to the places. 
I don't know. Like, I don't like, know what that would look like with that game. I don't know. It would look like just a Flash game from the, the late Flash era. I, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Where, like, you don't have necessarily a full objective at the end, but I would still get hours of enjoyment out of it. Um, so, I don't know. But so far, I've played through it quite a few times. Only managed to unlock one other ship. Uh, mm -hmm. So, we'll see. Maybe I'll get back into it. Um, other than that... Have you played Enter the Breach? I think no. is the name of that game. I think I've heard of it, though. It's, or Into the Breach. It's the um, It's, it's, it's the made by developers. the same people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I saw it. It was, like, advertised on the start screen. Um, I think... Didn't didn't the Best Friends play through that once? Or, like, they so. demoed it? Yeah. I think they did, like, a one-off for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But yeah, it's like it's robot fighting. It's like a it's more of an RTS mm -hmm. kind of a thing, but like with similar aesthetics and like similar kind of gameplay loop from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played that one yet. I have played FTL. Mm -hmm. Um and I thought it I thought it was really good. It's just I Rogue like I don't get along very well with roguelikes no like they have to have very specific kinds of things for me to really get into it but if it's like if it's something that requires a lot of management and like ah now i have everything set up perfectly and then like <laughs> you fuck up that run it's like can't 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 <laughs> can't do that um like i can do something like uh binding of isaac I have a lot of, like, I played hours of that game. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, if you fuck up a run, oh no, I lost these randomly assigned things. But, like, with FDL, you have crew members and, like, you have stats and, yeah. like, all this stuff yeah. that's, like... I, like, I love RPGs and I do like roguelikes, but, like, I don't like them to be too intermingled. Gotcha. Like, RPGs with permadeath kind of stuff mm. stress me out. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I talked about yeah, that before, I, too. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I will save scum the shit out of a game. Right. Um, and I, I have no shame about that. Like, that's... I think... Did you... Were you the one that got me... Um, what the fuck is that game? Oh, my God. I can see it in my mind. It's like... Describe it. Uh, Darkest Dungeon. Okay. Darkest Dungeon. Did you get me your Darkest Dungeon? Maybe. Someone gifted that to me, I think. And they were like, I can't believe you don't already have this game. And I started playing it. I'm like, this is why I didn't get this game. <laughs> <laughs> like, I loved it. It Like, aesthetically, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, But, like, oh, God. Way too much little micromanagement of these characters. Mm -hmm. Way too much of, like... Like, oh god, what if they die? Oh god, what if they go crazy? I could never live with myself. <laughs> could never look myself in the face again. No. Like, I don't know. That's why I stopped playing um, XCOM as well. Because I, I started playing the original XCOM. Oh, yeah. And then I named all the characters after, like, me and, like, some of my friends. Uh, from, when I, like, from when I was playing it. And mm -hmm. then it was just like, I can't. I can't actually play this game. <laughs> well, I play. I played like the the newer like XCOM. I guess what is it? Enemy Unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, and I save scum the shit out of that. Yeah. But you know what? That's fine because that's how I enjoy the game. Um, and so that that's what I do. 
I don't know if that's a possibility with the old one. Uh, there, well, I was talking about the newer one. Oh, you're talking about the newer one? Yeah. Okay, yeah, then, yeah you, you could do that, too. Um, I know that one of our friends has played through the second one mm-hmm. and did that with, like, us. Yeah. Um, as, but, as see, but see, then I then I feel bad for saves coming in, because it feels like... And it's not really cheating, but it kind of feels like it in an XCOM game. But I don't know. The too many mind goblins. I know it doesn't make sense. I'm just I like... I will save scum between turns. Thank oh. you. Like not. Oh no. Yeah. I will save scum between turns. And part of that is just like, um, just like memories of the game crashing, which has happened mm. to me before. And part of that is like, well, if if I'm in the wrong position and all my characters die, then I'm gonna want to start over. But I'm not gonna want to start from scratch. Right. So. Hey, Katie. Anyway. Um. But yeah, so so FTL I've played a little bit of. Um, there's another game on my Steam that I that is kind of like that actually. I had a friend in college that kept. I think he bought FTL and uh, this game Sunless City, I think, or Sunken City. Oh yeah, I've heard Sunless, of that. Game. I think it's not Sunken City, but Sunless City, Sunken City, something else. Yeah, Sunken. I've heard of Sunken City for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, this this one is like. It, it's like you're in like underneath london mm-hmm. like under the ground and everything is like water and Un- you have a boat under the underground under the underground and it's like lovecraftian mm. horrors in this underground society and you are the captain of a ship that goes from port to port and it's kind of roguelike in that regard mm-hmm. um so i haven't had a chance to play it yet but after i play ftl a little bit more i might try doing that some more and we'll see. I've got a shitload of game on my Steam's list that I have not looked at recently. The, I have Nidhogg. I think I have that one too, actually. Let's play Nidhogg. <laughs> if you have Nidhogg, yeah, and I have Nidhogg, we could, we could play is... Nidhogg. We could also play a game that I, ever since I watched the best friends play it, I've wanted to play it, mm-hmm. uh, which is Dive Kick. I have Dive Kick. You have Dive Kick? It's like five bucks on Steam. Yeah, I already, so, I own it. <laughs> okay. So... Let's do that. Dive kick. I live downstairs. I have no excuse. All right. Now we're back. Some weird technical difficulties there. I don't really fully know what happened yet. Yeah. But, weird uh, mouse problems. Weird mouse problems. Anyway. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> um, yeah, Miranda. Get him, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, he should be on that case. Uh, we're talking about dive kick. We were talking about dive kick. Yeah, dive kicks. Dive kicks, dive kick. I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it. <laughs> it's, it's real simple. It is extremely simple. Yeah. Um, there's dive and there's kick. There's dive and there's kick, but there's actually lots of like every character has different systems. Yeah, so that's that's a game that I've been eyeing ever since I saw it played by the best friends, and it's like I want to play that, but I don't know who I could get to play it with. I've got it. You've got it. Um, yeah. Now that we've kind of lost our our momentum with that technical <laughs> problem, I don't remember if there was anything else that I wanted to talk about. I I don't know. Um. If there's anything else that I wanted to talk about, uh, it's nothing that needs to be shared on the podcast. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Fair. But uh, anyway, uh, it's it's weird not having Elise here. Yeah. She, I don't know. She kind of adds a lot to this podcast. <laughs> I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this should be... We should be back to our regular scheduled programming in two weeks, mm-hmm. as per usual. So... Um, yeah. So until then. Until then, I'm Alex. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next time. Uh, Good night. Take care, everybody.
Thank you.